I'm excited to be here. It's an exciting day. We've got all sorts of fun things happening around here on the property. Um, hope you got some nice coffee from the Stello crew this morning. And um, it's, just a, it's just a fun day, a good day to be together, to be in church together. And I really do feel like um, I have a message for some of you, all of you, hopefully, that I really do feel like God has put on my heart for this Easter Sunday morning. So we're just going to dive right into it. Is that cool? Yeah? All right, we're going to be reading today from Luke 24. Luke 24, starting in verse 13, says, Now that same day, this was the day of uh, the resurrection. This is Sunday, the day that the tomb was found empty and that Jesus began appearing to his followers. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Clopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and all the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped, but we had hoped, these, are, these four words are kind of the centerpiece of our time together this morning. But, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. Isn't that nice? Isn't Jesus so nice? You're pouring your heart out to Jesus. How foolish you are is his response. <laughs> and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. Lean in here, we just got a few more verses left. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Jesus, this morning, we just ask that you would speak to us through these scriptures, speak to our hearts, really each one of us, each individual in the room, would you speak to us? We believe that you have something to say. I pray that you would use my words, and um, we just believe that you are bringing new life 
in some unexpected way in our midst today. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right, so we've got these two people on the road. Jesus shows up. Let me break down a little bit what's going on here. It's the day of the resurrection, and, uh, and, and we've got uh, Jesus entering into the discussion about the events that have taken place in the past couple of days. Who are these people? First question for us. Who are these people that are walking down the road? Well, one guy named Clopas, and apparently his name shows up in another gospel, in the gospel of John. Clopas is a different spelling, but most scholars agree this is the same person. Clopas, his wife Mary, was at the cross when Jesus was being crucified. There at the cross was Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the wife of Clopas. There's so many Marys, you have to differentiate differentiate them based on their relatives, okay? Mary, the wife of Clopas, is there. So these aren't just two people who've heard a story about some things that have taken place and they're confused. These are followers of Jesus. They're not, you know, one of the 12 disciples, but they they are invested in Jesus's ministry They're invested in the fulfillment of the prophetic promises about the Messiah in the Old Testament. Mary is so invested that she's there as Jesus is dying, even as the the apostles are fleeing. And so we know that at least one of these people is Clopas. There are actually a lot of people that think that it's Clopas and Mary, that it's a married couple walking down this road to Emmaus. And in fact, a lot of couples through the years have gained great insight into marriage by looking at the, um, the, the image of this story. The events have something to tell us, the events of the story, but even just the picture of a couple walking down a road together, discussing something, kind of confused, trying to work some stuff out, and then Jesus enters the conversation with them and asks, what have you been discussing? I think it's a pretty cool picture. Um, I, I know I, my wife and I, we will have been married for, are we going on 14? Is that right? I I was thinking of this morning, I'm like, am I lying? Like, I don't know. I don't know anymore. We've got a lot going on. We have two little kids. We're going on 100 years. We're going on 14 years um, and of marriage. We've been together longer. Okay. <laughs> when am I right now? Okay, okay, okay. 17 years of dating. All right. We have a date anniversary. we still celebrate. So when I kissed her and made it official. Okay, so... Uh, we, <laughs> there's a lot of marriage, there's a lot of, of couples that have, that have gained encouragement here. You're working through stuff. Hey, you're, you're in a marriage, there's some, you got some stuff, you got some issues, you got some problems, you got some questions, you got some stuff you're trying to figure out. And the, the, this picture of, of bringing Jesus, this third person, into your midst where maybe you can't figure it out on your own. Or think about an individual. Maybe you're, you're, as an individual, you've been working through some stuff and you've got a conversation going. Anybody else just have a conversation going inside your head all the time? Am I the only one that talks to himself while I'm brushing my teeth? Or I'm real good at arguing, finishing the argument 24 hours later. Man, I have some stuff I can say very pointedly in the mirror 24 hours later. And maybe you've been, maybe, maybe you've got some stuff you're like working out on your own right now. And there's this picture of, of uh, it doesn't just have to be you solving the problem. That Jesus can enter into the conversation. Imagine Jesus showing up and saying, what are you discussing among yourselves? This isn't what the sermon is about necessarily. But I think this is an important note for us up front. Does, 
I wonder, like, I, I'm pretty good at problem solving, but I can get into problem solving mode really easily. And I just wonder, maybe, does anyone, do you feel like your life right now is kind of like a problem you're trying to solve? Like A plus B is supposed to equal something. I can't, but I can't, I keep running the equation and I can't quite make sense of the events of my life. There's this famous quote by Soren Kierkegaard. He says, life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. It's not a problem to be solved. It's a reality to be experienced. John Eldridge took it a step further and said, life is not a problem to be solved, but an adventure to be lived. Are you stuck in like problem solving? Are you trying to, to, to work something out rather than letting life tell you something about God and yourself? And, and are you living that adventure as you go down the road? We need Jesus to intersect our stories, right? So they're, they're trying to make sense of the events of the past few days. They're discussing these things amongst one another, and they don't, they don't understand what's going on because they don't have the whole story. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have the whole story. Turn to another neighbor and say, the story isn't over. That could be a good working title for this sermon. The story isn't over. Another title could be uh, Burning Hearts and Broken Bread. Another Title could be Broken Hearts and Burning Bread, which is what you don't want to happen, but I've been there, you know? It's a rough Friday night. Okay, so they're trying to make sense. They're trying to make sense of the things that have taken place, but they don't have the whole story. Have you ever left a movie theater? When was the last time you went to a movie theater? Anybody been to a movie theater recently? What's it like in there? Tell us. Last movie I saw in theaters was Benjamin Button. I, I'm pretty sure. I could be. I know that one guy got struck by lightning three times. It was a wonderful tale. Um, it's great, great film. Everything else just gets played off the Disney Plus app in my house these days. Have you ever left a movie and said, "What was that about?" What was that movie we just watched? Like, what was that movie actually about? I heard a story about a bunch of people that went to see the movie Tenet last year in theaters, and it's real loud, and everybody has an accent, and, they, they, and it's all about, like, backwards time travel, and they left, and they were like, what? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I, uh, when I was in college, we watched the movie Donnie Darko. Anybody ever seen that? Such a weird movie. Okay, so... Me, Kirby, we were dating at the time, back in our dating years. Mark Cole, who's our executive director, we've known him since we were in middle school. Uh, college was a lot of me, Kirby, and Mark hanging out. But we watched, uh, we, there were some other people there, and we watched Donnie Darko. And I, we heard that there's like this big cult following around this movie. People love this movie. So we're like, let's watch, watch this movie. And it's so weird. And at the end of it, I sat there going, what did we do tonight? Why did we do this to ourselves? What was this movie even about? It's Jake Gyllenhaal before he was famous, and some guy in a bunny suit keeps showing up, and there's like a jet engine that falls out of the sky. None of it makes any sense. That's like the whole point of the movie. It doesn't make any sense. And we're like, this was crazy. Why did we even wait? We wasted our time. Why did we even watch this movie? So then we got on the internet. This was like 2007, so you could access the internet in 2007. It was a little different, but we got online, Googled, what is Donnie Darko even about? Found some website that breaks the whole thing down for you. And we spent the next hour just reading about what the movie was actually about. And at the end of that, I was like, what was that? No, I, <laughs> at the end of that, I thought, this was brilliant. 
great storytelling. One, fantastic. Good job, y'all, who made this. Like, I, I, I was very interested I, because I understood the story that was being told. This is not me saying, hey, pull the family together and watch Donnie Darko this afternoon. That would be a weird afternoon. I'm not recommending that. But <laughs> what was the story even about? These two people, they were there for the events of the weekend. Mary, if this is her, she's there watching Jesus being crucified. They're hearing secondhand about uh, a resurrection, or at least that the tomb is empty, that Jesus has raised from the dead. They're there for the events, but they can't, they don't understand the story. Some of us, we're, we're experiencing the, the events of our lives but we are not in touch with the story God is telling through our lives. You've had some events happen in your life over the past couple of years. Just think back over the past two years, since roughly the beginning of the pandemic. Think in your mind right now, three major events in your life or in the world that have affected your life in the past two years. Can you do that? Real quick, three major events, you got it. One, two, three, okay, done. Say it, keep them to yourself, don't say them out loud. You're, you're experiencing the events of your life. Are you in touch with the story God is telling through your life? I love this, that it says that um, in, in verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus, it, later at the end of the passage, they said, he opened the scriptures to us. He opened them to us. And so there's this understanding that they gain of the story God is telling through the scriptures. Look, these are folks who in the first century, Jewish leaders and followers of Jesus, they would have committed much of the, the scriptures, the Old Testament, to memory. Moses the, and the prophets is what we have as the Old Testament. You know, you can memorize the Bible and not actually know the story God is telling through it. You know, you can quote scripture and not be in touch with the thing that God's doing in the world and the story he's trying to tell through, the, through these pages, right? So these are people, they know the, the events of Jesus' life and death, and they know the, the details of the scriptures, but they, but they need Jesus to actually open the scriptures to them, and he, be, he interprets all of it. And they go from, we had hoped, to, weren't our hearts burning? as he spoke. We need Jesus to open the scriptures for us. We need to understand the story that's unfolding when we read, we read the scriptures. And um, this is important because I think we all know that like <laughs> a lot of different people can read the Bible a lot of different ways and come to a lot of different, a lot of different conclusions about a lot of different things. We need Jesus to be our interpretive lens for the scriptures. We need the Holy Spirit to be our illuminating light in the scriptures, and we need the Father to be our intimate friend as we journey through the scriptures to give us understanding. He's revealing the story, and based on his interpretation of the story of scripture, it's like obvious that Jesus would need to suffer and be then be glorified. He's, it's kind of like a duh moment. He's like, come on. He, he's, he's so matter of fact when he talks about how foolish you are, how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? He's giving meaning 
to the events that have just taken place. Have you ever walked out of a movie before it was over? Been like, this is lame, we're out of here. Have you ever done that? You're like, I don't even want my money back, just let me leave. (laughs) This is once again, anyone that goes to movies, I don't know. You bailed on it. The story isn't even over. Some of us are tempted to give up on our story when we're still in the middle of it. Some of us, I think, we're tempted to think that, that, like, this is it. That you're stuck with how you're experiencing your life, that this is how it will always be. And there's some script running in your head, and you're like, this is just, this is, this is my life. This is reality. This is how it's going to be forever. This chapter, this is the last chapter. This is the one, this is, this is how the story ends, and I'm just going to be in this extended state of wherever I'm at right now for the rest of my life. But when you look at the, the story of the, the Bible, the scriptures, and what Jesus opens to them, is the story coming through the scriptures is at its core a story of hope. It's a story that says things are going to change. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get a lot better, like a whole lot better. There's this idea that like if, this, if it's not good yet, then God isn't done yet. That sounds good, but it's also true. If it's not if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. That you can apply that to your life and the events of your life. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that, that even death doesn't get the final say and doesn't get the final word in our world and in our lives. And the belief that, that things can't get better, this is the meaning of the word despair. It's the opposite of hope. Despair is the belief that things can't get any better. They just can't. Um, I read a, I read an a article last week that really kind of messed me up when I read it. I, it, I, I, it deeply impacted me. I read uh, about a man named Jeffrey Parker, who was the CEO of Marta. I don't know if you heard the story. I, I read this and I did. I was going, how did I not hear this? How did I miss this, that this happened? This man, Jeffrey Parker, CEO of MARTA, which is our, our like train transit system here in Atlanta, if you're not from here, if you're watching online from somewhere else. Um, he died by suicide in January. Um, was struck by a train at the East Lake Station, just a few blocks from my house. And um, I read that, and I was I, it, it like took all the air out of my lungs when I read it. I partially I'm thinking like, this is right down the road from where I live. And I didn't hear about it till three months later. I was looking at an Instagram account about, it's like an Atlanta account. And I was actually looking at a post about a development that's happening over here. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And so I was scrolling through the feed and I saw that. And, and I, I, was, I was like, how did I not, how did I miss this? And, and I'm thinking about this guy. And, and I, I want to say his name because actually I want to honor his Memory is he, he, he's, he leaves a wife and two daughters behind. His wife has spoken out about mental health since then and said, hey, if you need help, reach. there are people that can help you reach out to someone. Um, and I, of course, can't know. We can't know all that led to this man making that decision or other people who've made decisions like that as well. But when we believe that things can't get any better, It does something to the soul. And 
this morning, I, I've just been so stirred, actually, in thinking about those who might be struggling, those who might be suffering, even alone, without anybody knowing, that the message of Easter Sunday is that there is another chapter that you don't know about. That the page turns again. That this isn't the last chapter of the story. In fact, any good story, um, you find that the best chapter normally follows the worst chapter. Right? We know this in our own lives. We see it in nature. Spring comes after winter. Resurrection comes after loss, after death. And this is, this is, I think us being in touch with the story of God is the key here. Um, anybody, uh, was anybody really good in seventh grade literature class? Anyone? You were just like the star student. I saw a hand. I see that hand back there. Okay, let's talk about the narrative arc for a minute. I see you. The narrative arc. I'm not going to draw it for you, but how does every story begin? What's the first stage? Just yell it out there. Exposition is the first thing. You get to know the people, the setting, all the place, all that stuff. Then what happens? Rising action, climbing action. The arc goes up, right? It's the tension. There's conflict. There's tension. Things get tough. Things get rough. What, what happens after the rising action? Inciting incident. That's a thing, too, but we can skip that. Okay, what happens after that? <laughs> climax. There's a climactic moment. Right, And we know, we understand that Jesus on the cross and being resurrected is the climactic moment of the story that Scripture is telling us. But you have to go through some rising action. You have to go through some conflict. You have to go through some difficulty. Anyone ever tell you a story about their life and they're like, well, I was born and then everything was great and I was pretty awesome and here I am today. And you're like, this story's stupid. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> Tell me about some hard things that happened to you so I don't feel alone in the world, right? What happens after the climax? Falling action. Finally, the last thing. Conclusion, yeah, there's a French word. Is that you, Zach? Say it out loud for us. The denouement. That's my French word. The denouement, the, 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 the conclusion of the story. It's where, it's where you get... You go home again. If you're listening to music, if the band were up here, it's, the, it's taking the song back to the one. I see you, Mitch Parks, over here. You know about music theory. Okay, so it's the, it's the, it's the, the one note, the one chord. It's everyone, everything's okay again. But you have to go on a journey. And really, most music isn't great unless there's some tension in the melody and in the chord progression. But you gotta go home at some point. Most story isn't any good unless things get tough for a little while. And we see uh, that Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection is that climax. We're, they're in the falling action throughout the, the rest of the New Testament as the church is being established. And, and that's where we are right now. Like the, the, the battle itself, if you will, is over. The, the hero is victorious in the story. We get to live into it. And there will be a, a moment of denouement, of conclusion, where everything is ultimately right. But we need to understand this. And we, there's an invitation to get swept up into that story. And, and when you think about your story, 
You might be in the rising action right now. You might be in the conflict moment right now. You might be in the battle. You might be in the fight. You might be in the place where, you know what, I feel like I'm suffering some sort of a death, but that death comes before there's an actual resurrection. And Jesus, quick note about the resurrection and the state of Jesus in this moment. So he raises a few people from the dead. Lazarus, he raises from the dead. Jairus' daughter, he raises from the dead. The widow of Nain's son, he raises from the dead. But and the thing is, they all came back from the dead, but they would have to suffer death again. Jesus, this is like a different kind of resurrection. He's, he's popping into places. People think he's a ghost. They don't recognize him. He looks different. He's still eating and drinking, but he's like, here, touch the wounds in my hand and my side. It's a different thing. Jesus didn't come back from the grave, from the dead. Jesus went all the way down to the lowest place, to the bitter end, to the rock bottom, and he went through and out the other side. And this is the thing that awaits all of us. This is the promise, the resurrected state that awaits every one of us and all of creation itself, the new creation that began on that resurrection Sunday, and we're living in the beginnings of it right now. So that's, that's the thing that's headed our way. But even the symbol of that going all the way down and out the other side, this is what God does to the things in our lives that suffer death that he intends to resurrect. He doesn't just give it back to you. You don't just come back. You go through and out the other side, and the resurrected thing is always better than the thing that died. There might be something that God is, he might be leading you through something right now. But the promise is that the thing on the other side of that is going to be better. The chapter on the other side of that, it's not just going to be back the way it was two chapters ago. It's going to get better. It's a story of hope. Am I talking to anybody today? Is this good? Yeah, okay, okay. Last little section of this passage here. The burning hearts and the broken bread. In verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And up opened the scriptures to us. Some of us, where were these two were on the road before Jesus showed up? And we're trying to make sense of the events of our lives. I think the the challenge for us today is to stop trying to make sense of everything. Stop trying to work it out in your mind. The mind is a great thing and a brilliant thing and faith is not uh, check your brain at the door and just have feelings about Jesus. No, use your mind, right? But some of us need to stop trying to work it all out in our heads. Stop trying to make sense of everything and to, to become in touch with the burning heart. And begin to follow the burning heart. The burning heart. This is the presence of Jesus in our midst. This is the invitation of Jesus. I want you to be alive. I want you to be awake to me and to your life and to the world. I want you to see with things beyond your eyes. And I want you to be aware of things beyond what your mind can comprehend. I want you to be in touch with the burning heart. Some of us, we're just trying to, we're just trying to, Look at the words on the page of our life and and figure it out. There's a deeper story. Is your heart burning? Are you in touch with the presence of Jesus? It's presence, it's passion, it's purpose. Sometimes it gives birth to just, to, to a whole new thing that you didn't expect to come in your life. Sometimes it's just a little curiosity to follow. When you realize that the, that the story isn't over, that a new chapter is coming, you, you're free to explore 
Let's just get really practical for a minute. And like, think about your career. Some of you might be at a point where you're going, I don't, I might be about to make a whole change, but I didn't major in that in college, so can I even do it? Who cares what you majored in? I don't have any work experience there. So? Every relationship I've ever been in ended this way. This is just the way. Okay, well, maybe, are you open to the possibility of this one being a little bit different? Are you, is there something that is interesting to you? in life right now that hasn't been in the past? Are you curious about something that you haven't, hasn't been on your radar? There's a, an invitation even to a second naivety on the other side of resurrection and the burning heart because life becomes an adventure to be lived and not some math problem to work out. Poke around the corner, see what's there. There's a lot of people who've found great success in their careers and later on in life. Betty White passed away this year. She Much of her career was in the the latter half of her life. Uh, anybody know who Stan Lee is? All the nerds in the house say, what? I told y'all, I just watched Disney Plus. So, you know, he, this is the guy, he created all the Marvel uh, stuff, like created all those characters, created Marvel. Um, he started this in his 40s. He was about to make a career change. He died at 95 years old in 2018. And, um, that was one year before the movie Endgame came out, which was the second highest grossing film of all time at $2.8 billion. And in his 40s, he, made a, he, he was going to um, make a, a career change. And, and I guess what I was reading was the DC comics had come out, and he, he was really interested in these hero stories, but he wanted to write, he wanted to create characters and heroes that were flawed in their humanity. And so his wife said, well, you're about to make a career change. What do you have to lose? Just do some stuff. So he started creating these characters. This is a guy, by the way, he created uh, superheroes such as Spider-Man, the X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, dot, dot, dot. You get it, right? I love that, though. What do you have to lose? Just give it a try. What do you have to lose? So he begins to create something, and then he spends the more than the next half of his life, getting to be a part of uh, growing these characters and these stories and then watching them take on a life of their own. The story's not over. You don't have the whole story yet. You're in a chapter of your story, just one. You're on a, a particular page of your story. You're experiencing the events of your life. Are you in touch with the story, God? Is telling and the thing is we don't we don't have the privilege of getting to see all of that in real time. No one in the Bible like knew that there would be a verse number <laughs> attached to some part of their story, right? With a whole lot of meaning on it. They're just living. This guy Clopas, he never thought <laughs> all right, yeah, Luke verse. 18 is where my name's going to come in and this part of my story. They don't know. They're just living. They're just working it out. And we have the benefit of learning from, we have the whole story now. We have the benefit of, of learning from it and seeing what God was doing. This, by the way, is what faith is. Trusting that this whole thing's going somewhere as you take a step. Is that good? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, so quick final thought. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Jesus, their, their eyes are opened as Jesus breaks the bread. 
This is a picture. This is a throwback to a few days before at the Last Supper. This is a throwback to the teachings of Jesus throughout the Gospels where he's saying, take me in, eat my flesh, drink my blood, receive me into your life and into yourself. It's a throwback to the, the feasts and festivals of the Old Testament throughout Israel where God is, is meeting them in these places. But really it's an invitation simply to intimacy, to communion, because the place where things start to make sense is the place where you and Jesus meet. And the point of it all isn't, now you can understand your story. All right, go on and live it. No, the point is life with Jesus. That's the sweetness. That's the good stuff is that, that place of intimacy and communion and to live with that sort of connection to God. But when we're in that state, then things do start to make sense. It's like Psalm 73. The psalmist says, you know, I had all... All this confusion and all these complaints until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood. I got it at that point. I needed presence to gain perspective. And I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what's happening in the chapter of your life that you're in. I do know that things change. If, If Easter tells us anything, it's that. It's that things change. Sometimes they change slowly, and it's a process, and it's one step at a time. And sometimes they change suddenly. Easter's like a, a suddenly moment. And um, we're going to respond in a few different ways right now. First of all, there's going to be communion available. Uh, at the four corners of the stage, you can come down these aisles and grab communion elements and and as a symbol of I want to take Jesus in to my life and into myself. Uh, and we're also going to respond with this song, and it's a song that Kirby and I and our friend Jesse wrote last year, and, um, and it's called Suddenly. And I actually just want to read some of the lyrics to you really quickly. This is a, a part of the song that I wrote two Easter's ago when I was thinking about this tension of kind of being in that in-between place and holding on holding on to hope, holding on to faith that it's not over and that things can change. Let me just read these words to you so that when we sing them, you can, you can get into it. Is that okay? You're my split wide sea. You're my wandering. You're my borrowed tomb. You're my passing through. You're my dead of night. You're my hold on tight. You're my wait and see. You're my suddenly. You're my silent years. You're my do not fear. You're my let it be. You're my suddenly. You're my almost home. You're my rolling stone. You're my stay with me. You're my suddenly. Jesus, this morning we pray that you would reveal yourself to us, meet us right where we're at. Whether we're in the high place or the low place or the confused place, or somewhere in between, we ask that you would reveal yourself and remind us again of the story that you're inviting us into. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.